Do you know the small school wide receivers and late round sleepers in this year's draft? Well, we reveal the names you might not know, but you definitely should with my next guest right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field. Protect them. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris Smith. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. The NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball are in full swing. So you need to head to Bet Online. Look, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, so it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Every year, late-round draft picks and even undrafted free agents burst onto the scene. NFL prospects from small schools are often overlooked, but many have turned into stars. Don't believe me? How about wide receivers like Alabama A&M's John Stallworth, who was selected by the Steelers in the fourth round and went on to make three Pro Bowls and win four, yes, four Super Bowls. And the great Andre Reid, the Kutztown alum, went on to make seven consecutive Pro Bowls and four Super Bowl appearances after being selected in the fourth round. To top it off, he's enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And there's eighth-round draft pick Troy Brown out of Marshall, who earned three Super Bowl rings and played on five of the 11 Patriot teams to reach the big show. And take the 49ers' Dwight Clark. Where would we be without the catch if San Fran didn't take Clark in the 10th round? So we take a look at this year's gems with my special guest on the show, Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge and Fan Tracks. Give him a follow on Twitter at CF Froton. That's F-R-O-T-O-N. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about college football. Yeah, it's what we love to do. Exactly. And I must mention, though, you were named 2020 College Sports Writer of the Year by Fantasy Sports Writers Association. How special was that? It was a big deal uh, for me. And, you know, frankly, anytime you're joining up with the former Roto World, now Roto NBC Sports Edge, uh, the previous two winners actually were my boss and colleague, Thor Nystrom, oh. as well as fellow colleague of 19, 2019, Hayden Winks, who now works on the NFL side of things. He's really great with analytics and and uh, and data he's a great follow and uh, you know if you like looking at at bar graphs charts things like that it's always a great feed whatever Hayden's putting up so uh, you know with two very talented writers before me in the same staff room uh, you know there's a little bit of, of pressure to be able to hold up your end and I was just happy that I could uh, you know bring a different perspective to some of my articles and was able to get recognized and obviously it was it was certainly a thrill thanks for mentioning yeah definitely what a great team it sounds like you have. And speaking of the articles, you have some great ones and podcasts on NBC Sports Edge. And one ongoing series that caught my eye was on the sleepers in the upcoming NFL draft. First, there are several under-the-radar wide receiver prospects who are being projected as late-round selections. Let's start with the former three-star recruit 
Jalen Darden from North Texas. You say in the article that you'd rather select him in the round four than Florida's Cardarius Tony in round one. What do you see in this mean green product? Well, I mean, first off, you look at uh, when you're trying to project, especially a group of five wide receivers, I want to see somebody who is dominating their wide receiver room. And, you know, when it, when it comes to dominator rating for wide receivers, nobody touched Jalen Darden last year. Uh, I mean, he was the lone pretty much option in that North Texas mean green wide receiver room. So uh, he was the first, the second, the third option. And despite the fact of being you know relatively diminutive for his size, you know, he's only 5'9", he's only going to be weighing in around the sure. 180, 185 mark. But in this class, you have a really nice crop of really uh, fast twitch, change of direction ability, uh, slot receivers, Jalen Darden, the previously mentioned Kadarius Tony. Uh, I love Elijah Moore. He's he's electric. Tutu Atwell is a rare guy who's who's on the slight side but can still beat you deep. Um, so you have a, a really nice crop of these you know, super fast, uh, dynamic slot wide receivers, and I feel like Jalen Darden is kind of at the end of that tier, looking in the fourth and fifth round. And you look at his skill set and what he does and how hard it is to cover him. One-on-ones, he, he's just a nightmare he, off the line. Only thing I really have that I could say is kind of a, a criticism is his size. He has a tendency to, to run around jams as opposed to mm-hmm. using hands and, and skill in order to get through them. But when you're talking about a guy with an 89.9 PFF receiving grade this year, which is fourth in the country, wow. he, 61% dominator. I mean, 61% of that team's production as a, a wide receiver. He, he's the whole show. Um, 4.31 yards per run, fifth best in the nation. Uh, he just, he's so dynamic, so dependable. 74 receptions, 112 targets. Dodged 23 tackles. He soaks his elusiveness in space. He's so hard to get a hold of. Uh, I just feel like you're going to see him on, on Sundays and be a productive player. Now, it, it's hard to predict anybody's going to be the next Antonio Brown, you know, who's just going to come from Central Michigan and, and light the world on it's fire. Dominate. But it's dominate. But you see the ability for him. You, you just can't keep up with him. You know, you always see defenders trailing him. They're always in a trailing position against him. And I can't wait to see what he looks like when he, he's playing against, uh, you know, the high-level competition because he just couldn't be stopped at the G5 level. And he was named finalist for the 2020 Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award and a semifinalist for the 2020 Belitnikoff. And we're speaking with Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports. And now there's Florida State's Tamorian Terry. And some have him rated as low as the 37th wideout in the draft. But you have his value at 18. What do you see that some do not? Well, with, with Terry... A very common refrain about him is he's slight. You know, you look at him and he's he's got a thin build. You, you can't compare anybody to Randy Moss in terms of his ball skills, you know, or anything. But you look at the way he moves and the way he runs, and he he, he has that sort of a frame, you know. Wow. And what's important to remember is that was 2018 and 2019 where he had a nice young breakout. Uh, we like to see young breakouts anytime you're you're projecting wide receivers, especially you know at the power five level. Uh, you know, he caught 60 of 103 passes, 1187 yards, 18 point, 19.8 yards per catch. But of his eight touchdowns, 
he averaged 58 yards per <laughs> touchdown insane. reception. That's insane. And I mean, you want to be able to project people, you know, guys to how they, you know, in the red zone will project. And he's a, he's a tall guy, but I mean, gosh, the explosiveness is there. And, you know, he, uh, he sets up his, his deep routes pretty well because while he didn't run a, a giant varied route tree at Florida State, he can do the little things well. Like he can, he goes and, you know, he can flash his, uh, a slant where if you let him get that inside leverage on a smaller quarterback at his size, he's going to be able to, to break loose and, and do some real damage in that middle of the field. But at the same time, you know, his ability to, to be kind of good off the ball and get that leverage sets up the out and up patterns. And you saw quite a few of those if, over the, the course of watching his game tape where he's flashing that inside move and then he breaks out and it's over because the, he's fast enough where he's, he's going to be running in that four, three range. He's fast enough where he can get on top of the defense, but he's also uh, athletic enough to be able to, to make a move or two. Um, you know, he's not going to have that sort of short, area change of direction ability you can have the Darden or, or Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore you know that's that's not what he does but what's important to remember is this year he's he came in heavier he came in at the you know 215 to 220 range yeah where he'd been playing at 203 earlier so when you have that that sort of size he's going to be running in the four three you know low four fours somewhere in that range definitely going to be under four five he's a sprinter um, and he's going to be doing it at 215 to 220. That's rarefied air for that sort of size that he's packing on now. And he played way up to the competition because he lit up Notre Dame this season. You know, I mean, nine catches, 146 yards, a touchdown. And, I mean, they didn't want any – wrong day at the office covering Maureen Terry, <laughs> even for a CFP team with, you know, quarterback problems. Nobody <laughs> – Nobody's really looking at that quarterback room at Florida State saying, wow, you know, there, there's a Trevor Lawrence in there or a Justin Fields or a sure. Zach Wilson who's out there swinging it to him. So uh, the degree of difficulty was certainly there as well. He got banged up this season. He, he had his knee scoped, which is why um, he even tried to gut it through and play through it like a warrior. But the cooler heads prevailed after that Notre Dame game where he said, all right, I better shut it down and, and start getting ready for senior bowl and, and you know, the, uh, the postseason evaluation process. But, I just, you know, Todd McShay, as I mentioned, I, I, I go through every one of the, the top analysts and see kind of where they're at. McShay has him at wide receiver 19, uh, whereas the draft network has him at 37. I think the, the draft network, you know, no, no offense to them, is just is not taking into account the, the size, the way he's managed to in, in stay, maintain the burst, maintain his acceleration and his ability to get on top of the defense at that size. And you can high point ball as well. He can come after it a little bit more. You know, he kind of lets it float to him at times, can be a little more aggressive. But the ability to, to high point is there. Uh, I really like w where he's going, and I think he could be a significant value. You're looking at fifth, sixth round, you know, cost of acquisition. God, his, his profile and his athleticism. It's a great shot in that range. Yeah, and well, like you're saying, that speed. He had nine 50-plus-yard touchdowns tied for second-highest total in the ACC over the last 15 seasons. This is the College Football Legends Podcast. I'm Chris Smith, and we're speaking with Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge. And I want to jump into another two-star prospect that grinded his way into the draft mix, Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State. The former hoop star weighed in at 220, ran a sub-4-5 in the 40, 
over a 41-inch vertical leap. Did that open some scouts' eyes? It absolutely did because, you know, what's a great comparison for Adams is you had last year in that high-octane Arkansas State offense with Blake Anderson moving on to Utah State, but they still retain their – I mean, this year, but their uh, their offensive coordinator is still there, Kirk Eckendorf. And his, you know, you see what they like to do there is they like to stretch the field on the outsides vertically. Omar Bayless did it in 2019, put up an All-American season. And he had a very similar, on tape, style and, and physical profile to Jonathan Adams, where Adams, you know, separates himself from Bayless, who is more of a system player, is, as you mentioned, you know, that, the basketball background, which I love. Yeah, they always seem, they always seem to do really well. <laughs> always, yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a level of athleticism and, and more so that body control in the air. That you used to be in receiving contact in the air, getting banged, going for those boards. Uh, I, I love seeing that for my larger statured wide receivers. And, and, you know, we'll get to Warren Jackson too, who is also the same thing. But I mentioned that basketball ability translating to tight ends as well. I love seeing that for the big guys. So he has that legitimate really talented basketball upbringing. But in addition to that, you saw the vertical jump was exceptional. One of the, as good as it gets, what do you want? Um, Four fives for that 40 time. Bayless ran like around a four seven, you know, the explosives, you see it on tape with Adams and it was, he's just more physical. He's a big boy running in that four fives. He's over 220 pounds and just too much of a man to be able to, to, to be dealt with by the smaller school Sun Belt cornerbacks. And you saw it time and time again in film. Now, you're going to throw, you're going to run him on a straight go on the outside. He's in great shape. You're going to use him on, you know, a little comeback. All right, he can do that. Where he gets in trouble is in the middle of the field. He doesn't feel as comfortable catching the ball in, you know, in traffic. You, know, you can see him. He went to a little bit of, as tense a little bit of alligator arm and have concentration drops. Okay. You never like to see concentration drops from a wide receiver, and he had quite a few of them with it right in his hands, and he's turning up field right before he gets it. Just the little things. Um, but he's not good with his change of direction. He's very slow. He's like he's got that tractor trailer kind of a mentality where if he's running those bounce routes from the outside, you know, take a few steps in, you know, stop, pivot, cut back to the outside, and try to get an edge on the defender. He he does not look good, and that showed out. You know, I think. He, his three cone and his shuttle were, were subpar. But as you said, you know, the acceleration, the, uh, you know, the jumping ability, the physicality, the speed, the straight line speed, it's all there. And, you know, in the sixth, seventh round where it's being projected, yeah, you're not going to get a, a fully formed, you know, DK Metcalf type freak of nature. Sure. There's going to be some warts. But that's, you know, he, what he does, he does extremely well. And if you're looking at it from that perspective where he does have the athleticism that Omar Bayless didn't have, he's somebody that, you know, I'm, I'd be very much willing to take a, a shot at Jonathan Adams and seeing how he develops and, and if you can get him in there in the practice squad and, uh, you know, polish off his route running, which he wasn't asked to do much, too much as well, you could really get yourself a, a diamond in the rough. Yeah, it sounds like he has all the athletic traits, just needs a little coaching. And like you mentioned, another two-sport athlete, Warren Jackson of Colorado State, six foot six, two fifteen. Is that frame what intrigued you? Certainly, and I unlike you know with Adams, I, he's not afraid to go over the middle, and he has you know that he's fearless, six six, two fifteen. So you know he's a little light. You're going to say that, or you could possibly project him and say, "All right, hey kiddo, put on 
Yeah. How about hit 30, the calf for a little, hit the cafeteria a couple times. <laughs> yeah, get them, get in and you know flex them out a little bit, keep them tight. But my gosh, the the ball skills he has are just exceptional. And you see that sort of jumping ability too. But he's so much more willing to go over the middle. He, he's a little more complete in my eyes in what he does than Adams, as opposed to you know, he can do it. He can go down the field if you want to go that direction. That's not a problem. Comes from Colorado State, which is a wide receiver factory, as you mentioned, Preston sure. Williams. Also, Rashad Higgins, you know, an excellent wide receiver who came from there. You can't forget about him. Good coaching. Mike Bobo, the former head coach who was there, you know, he moved over to South Carolina's OC this past season before Muschamp got hit the road. But uh, offensive-minded coach, developed quite a few receivers. He's the offensive coordinator when A.J. Green was there at, at Georgia. So, uh, you know, you've seen him develop, and he fits the mold. And his hands, you know, sometimes those big guys, they don't, they, they rely on wingspan, you know, the, like, ah, uh, you know, you can see him make some nice catches, but they're not as consistent. Yes. And we kind of see that with, with Adams. Not the case. I mean, God, a great set of hands on Warren Jackson. 89.6 hand grade. Fifth highest single season hand grade of the 2021 class, uh, you know, according to PFF. You know, and when you have the, the size, smooth, he's got a nice smooth gait. Like, he's got fluid hips. While he's not, you know, entirely shifty, his routes are clean. Much better than you expect from a 6'6 guy, at least from what I was expecting. Really impressed. Can take the tough shots over the middle, but then if you're going to leave him out there on the outside in one-to-one coverage, I mean, good luck being five foot eleven. <laughs> you know, as a wide receiver, dealing with him. Because he was he was a basketball standout. John Adams played basketball. He was good. But, like, Warren Jackson, was, he went to Redondo Beach. Basketball haven out there. As you know, I'm a West Coast guy. I'm, sure. I'm well involved in the basketball. I'm a basketball player too, so you know. I'm a little, <laughs> a little, uh, so you, you took know, him to I, town I when you were out guys. there. <laughs> but let me tell you, we're not no peace, no joke. You go up there, grow up there playing basketball on those playgrounds. They're real, and he was a standout there. Wow. So I mean, just in terms of athleticism, it's all there. I can't wait to see you know what he hits for his forty time. He's hoping to be in that four or five range. That would be gold because Preston Williams ran a four point six one, and he went undrafted, but still is so crafty. He's an impact receiver right now for the Miami Dolphins. What I love in the comp that I throw out in my article, too, is about Jackson. I see Doriel Green Beckham, you know, the former tippity-top five-star wide receiver out of Missouri uh, and now the Tennessee Titans, you know, had a had probably a good three, four, five-year career with the Titans. And he did, he did a nice job. You know, if he could develop a little more, Beckham just had such freak athletic skills for his size. He was able to stick around, but, you know, didn't have the kind of work ethic that you see from a guy from Williams or or, uh, or Jackson that you hear about. He could just polish up and, and, you know, learn a little bit more of the nuance, grow into that frame. You, you could really see him be successful. And, again, he's, you know, McShay has him the highest as well at wide receiver 20. Tony Pauline's got him above the wide receiver 30 range, and I, I think he's just fine in that low 20s. I have no problem. In that sixth, seventh round, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see guys who flame out that aren't going to stick around as long as Warren Jackson does in that range. Yeah, you can't teach size, they say. And there's Tim Jones of Southern Miss and also Austin Watkins of UAB. But you're going to have to read the article for that. The wide receiver sleepers on NBCSports.com. We're talking with Eric Froton college football analyst and podcaster for NBC Sports Edge. All right, it's time to go for two. Get that kicker out of there. Two final points. 
That's right. Two lighter questions to close out our interview. First off, I mentioned earlier that you were the 2020 College Sports Writer of the Year by the Fantasy Sports Writer Association. Do you just dominate in your fantasy leagues? In uh, well, in, in it depends. In my pro fantasy leagues, it's uh, it's almost I don't even study for my pro fantasy leagues because I I've been looking at these guys since they were in, in high school. So I know who every single human being that is on any NFL roster is, and I could tell you a lot more about them you probably want to hear about. So <laughs> I end up doing pretty well in my pro leagues just because you know uh, just soaking up so many years of knowing these guys. It's I end up doing pretty well. Um, in my, definitely in my college fantasy leagues, it's, it's a specialized skill set. There are some really good minds out there in, in the industry and what have you, but yeah, you know, I, I do pretty well in, in the 50 team, uh, Roto world or now NBC sports edge ultra league, which has been going on for, you know, I think four or five years. And I can't wait for that to start again this year. Cause I, I, I'm hoping I'm going to finger cross my fingers. I think we're getting, we might be able to do a, at least a podcast, but I'm hoping for a video sort of presentation for that this year because it's the biggest college biggest fantasy league of any kind we have 50 teams where you draft the player that's your guy there's no other player pool that's that big so we get i mean it's a host of you're getting into the nitty-gritty after that with 50 teams guys boy you're talking it's as deep as it gets random you know third string running backs (laughs) at you know max schools are, are just Coveted waiver wire acquisitions in that league, so it's it really takes a different level. And um, I was fortunate enough the we had two last year, but the year before, to out of fifty teams, uh, I won my conference. I was in the Pac-12 and the CUSA, nice. and uh, I managed to win my managed to win my conference, and then have actually the number one overall seed out of all fifty teams, and uh, and actually scored the most points in the first round of the playoffs out of all the 16 teams that are in that, uh, that super 16 bracket and then got wiped out in <laughs> against, uh, I, as it I always happens. The most, yeah, point, oh, the most points ever always ends up somewhere else. Like yeah, one one game. The next week. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was great for about 11 weeks. You know, that was out, but uh, you know, it's obviously a, it was a great experience. Did, did great in that. Uh, we also do a, an industry expert 20 team, IDP league. So you want to talk about getting deep. Yeah. Do a, do a 20 team college fantasy football IDP league where there's like 20 guys starting each week. It's, it's almost unbelievable, but uh, I managed to go all the way to the finals on that and lost to my colleague Hayden Winks because he traded like 16 of his draft picks and just went all out <laughs> traded zero. I went, I just went straight my own team. He traded everything he had. To get the title, and, and he beat me by like seven and a half points. Oh. He was a killer. It was a killer. It just oh god. Well, so uh, I, I just hope he sticks around. Yeah, I just hope he sticks around this year and doesn't bail out and then take his entry fee with him after winning. After he just you know <laughs> paired away his entire team because I'm ready. My team's a dynasty. I'm ready. So, oh, yeah, I can't. Uh, I definitely do all right. Yeah, I do, do pretty well. Can't wait to check it out. Definitely at RotoWorld.com. And I'm a foodie. So where would be one legendary place to grab a meal in your hometown of San Diego? San Diego. Well, there's always, always, you know, you can't go wrong with In-N-Out Burger. You know, oh, that's double, double. In terms of just quick, easy, you know, animal style. I, double, double. I go four by four because I'm a, I'm a straight carnivore. And I don't like, you know, I try to, 
try to keep it to meat and as little carbs as I possibly can, because otherwise I can't I like play that. basketball. <laughs> You know, I got to be able to get up and down the court at 44 years old and still be able to play with the young bucks, which Logan's still able to do because I haven't done a knee or an Achilles yet, but it's coming. And um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a four by four. Give me that four by four at In and Out Burger. Gosh, I was there for two months. I missed it already. I've been gone for a month since oh, I've been back. Oh, man. First place so that, that's what my recommendation. <laughs> Heck, yes. Right out of the gate. You go over to Point Loma as soon as I get out of that airport. Hit it Lo- up. Love it. We've been speaking with. Eric Froton, college football analyst and podcast for NBC Sports Edge Fan Tracks. He pumps out the knowledge for college fantasy football and all the other fantasy teams. Give him a follow on Twitter at CF Froton. That's C-F-F-R-O-T-O-N. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Appreciate it. Have a great one. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary.